This is episode 47 with Trey Carmichael of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most purpose-driven minds in business and entrepreneurship on how to maintain success and take it to the next level. We break down all of the myths, legends, stories, struggles, and insights behind what it takes to be a part of this amazing tribe of entrepreneurs with all that freedom, power, wealth, abundance, and love. I'm your host, Joe Long, and welcome to the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneurs Try podcast. My name is Joel, and I'm your host for today. And the proud co-founder of the BossCast Academy. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share your earbuds with me today. Today's guest is Trey Carmichael, and he is the young business consultant and CEO of Carmichael Business Solutions and Limitless Wear that has been doing business in some way, shape, or form since he was a kid. From hustling kids in the hallway with candy to even eventually starting a non-profit and then later selling drugs in high school. Trey has been working with business owners since he was just 18 years old. And he has been labeled as the 22-year-old systems genius, the Swami of Systems, the Connector, and the Link by business owners and show hosts around the world. He's also the host of the Virtually Limitless podcast, where he interviews impact-driven entrepreneurs and industry experts, along with Andrea Adams Miller, the CEO of the Red Carpet Connection, and Justin Madder, an unstoppable high-performance and accountability coach for entrepreneurial leaders. So today, um, I managed to get Trey on the show, and we talked a lot about his journey, how he went from being essentially an employee and working for someone else to becoming a solopreneur, working for himself, and then eventually building a business of his own and calling himself a business owner where he has a team now, he delegates stuff and he gets to free up a lot more time and have a lot more freedom and passion to do what he loves. In this interview, Trey shares about his seven pillars of business and how he designs systems in the business, how he helps other business owners to streamline and optimize their businesses through these seven pillars as well. He talks about a short-term versus long-term how to brand, how to position yourself, what are the benefits of actually being on shows, being on podcasts, hosting a podcast for yourself as well, and also how he sets up Facebook groups. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. So that's enough from me. Let's jump into the show. Hey, Trey, how's it going? Going good, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for agreeing to be on the show as well. Um, so just to give the listeners a bit of overview on, and background about what you do, um, you know, share a bit about yourself. Absolutely, man. I always like to say that I'm a crazy, passionate life changer that gives anyone and everyone the space they need to grow. I play outsource CLO to impact-driven entrepreneurs. I own a marketing agency. We do software development. Pretty much anything that your online business needs to grow, that's what we help with and I just love trying. I just love helping people get to that next level, whatever that is for them, man. Mm. And how did you start 
this to begin with? It's uh, it's like, where, where, um, where did you come from? It's actually kind of interesting, man. I'm uh, I'm not like most stories. Like I'm not the clean cut entrepreneur that most people see or, or I guess imagine. I actually came from a place where about three, four years ago, I was addicted to drugs. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was dealing drugs. And I really thought that either I was going to kill myself, the drugs were going to kill me or someone else was going to kill me. And one of my very good friends, Kyler Gifford, he gave me the opportunity. He came to me, actually, and he said, like, what are you doing? Like, I see you have skills. I had already started businesses in high school. Like, I did other things before I got into dealing drugs. So he came to me and he's like, dude, you have all these skills. Why don't you come help me with my real estate business? And within three months, I was able to make him into the top producer in his office by solidifying some Google rankings for him. And he actually had his kid shortly after that. And I got really passionate about it because when he had his kid, thanks to getting those Google rankings, which was organic, he was able to kind of step back and his business didn't die at all. He just got the leads passively and was able to fulfill them, but focus on his kid for those first months in that first like year after the kid was born. So I realized I could help people and it became my passion and I started getting sober and that's how I got into marketing, man. What was um, the kind of paradigm shifts that happened when you, you know, began to realize that you could be living a completely different life altogether? I mean, was it a gradual thing? Was it like a sudden moment where you just realized? So it was kind of a mixture of both. Like I, uh, I wanted to do something else for a long time. I wanted out of that lifestyle, but like I didn't really, it got to the point where sadly I didn't really think that I could until something external in this situation being Kyler was willing to mentor me. And then shortly after that, I found another mentor, uh, Lisa McClanahan, and she's actually the one that helped me craft my defining statement and my core values, which my defining statement was, I'm a crazy passionate life changer that gives anyone and everyone the space that they need to grow. And then my main two core, core values are expanding, your, expanding our ripple by building your legacy. And those things kind of became my defining factors. And I was able to latch on to those and have the mentors and really just see what helping people get their businesses right was able to do and made me feel better. It became my purpose, to be honest. So it was kind of gradual, but it also happened very suddenly. I'm trying to empathize with people who are in that spot. What would you say would be the most important thing you look out for in a mentor? So, you know, because it's, it's kind of hard to find, like there are a lot of fake gurus out there. Uh, let's just be honest. So um, from your experience, um, how do you go about picking or selecting a mentor? Or does it happen the other way around where like, you know, someone grace you with uh, what they know or the gifts? It's kind of interesting because it's definitely a little yeah. bit of both, man. Because like the best mentors they're just going to find you. It's going to happen. I, I don't really know how it happens. I've just learned to kind of trust the universe when they put a mentor in front of you, absorb what you can, like, don't take it for granted. But the biggest thing that I look for in, in my mentors is I like to learn from people who not only have what I want to have, 
but have been where I've been and understand the lows that I've felt because they can give me the actual advice that I need because they've been in my shoes at that point. And for the people you currently help in your business, you act as a, a mentor or a guide to them as well. Um, so could you talk to us about that journey? You know, for, for example, from where you first started um, working for someone else and then gradually transitioning into becoming a business owner for yourself. Yeah, absolutely, man. I worked... I worked every job. I worked every job in the book. I've been. I've worked for Dish Network. I've been a salesperson. I worked in food. I worked retail, and I really just realized like I didn't enjoy having. I didn't enjoy having a boss, and that was. It also kind of got me in trouble when I was growing up. Like I was always trying to find ways to make money on my own. I didn't want to be at school, and. That's kind of where that's kind of where it all came from, I guess. I just never wanted to have my own boss. What kept you going through switching different jobs, you know, instead of actually um, deciding to make that leap and then, you know, becoming the quote-unquote entrepreneur? So for the longest time, it was confidence, man. And I think that's the biggest thing for everybody. I uh, I put a lot of mental barriers on myself. I was like, man, I'm just like... At the time, it was like, man, I'm just a depressed drug addict. Like, who's going to actually, like, what am I supposed to actually do with my life right now? Like, so I just went from job job to job and did what I needed to do. And frankly, until I got some purpose in my life, I didn't really do much of anything that was efficient for myself. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. You have um, seven core pillars of, of business uh, that you frequently talk about, could you share with the audience what that is about and how that aligns to, you know, for example, defining what your purpose is? Because I, I feel honestly, it's very important to have a purpose. Otherwise, you're just like a, a boat sailing in the middle of the sea and, uh, you know, aimlessly. And, and there isn't any very fulfilling drive or kind of mission or purpose towards something larger. So could you talk to us about that and those seven pillars? 100%. So the seven pillars of every business all comes down to marketing, sales, fulfillment, retention, finance, human resources and company culture, and then finally legal. And the most important thing to get down at first is the marketing, sales, fulfillment, retention. If you don't have clear core values, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish – then you're never going to get your messaging right. Your marketing's never going to be right and nobody's ever going to buy your stuff. So that's really the first thing that you have to figure out is who you are and how you're going to operate. And then once you have those things, you can break your business down to those seven pillars and start thinking, okay, what tasks need to be done under each one of these pillars in my business so that I know nothing slips through the cracks. I'm going to create doc. I'm going to document some SOPs for those tasks and then you can organize those in the roles. And now you have a business that's actually organized from day one when all you had to look at was seven pillars and figure out who you are and how you do what you do. And it sounds incredibly simple, just figuring out who you are. But I think uh, speaking from personal experience, it's, it's quite difficult to reshape uh, an identity, especially something which, um, for example, I've hold on, held on to for a, you know, a very, very long time. Um, how do you walk people through that process and, and getting clarity? How do I walk them through the process of getting clarity? 
honestly, I just, I ask them questions and a lot of people are resistant at first, but usually whatever comes up first, when you ask somebody what they want to do is what they actually want to do. And what I've noticed is the majority of the time, they're going to tell you something else that more fits their current situation. And so I just have to dig a little bit more. I have to be like, is that really what you want to do? Like you talk about all this other stuff, like it has to, they have to really come up with that on their own. You like, you can't guide somebody to an identity, but you can poke and prod and ask questions that make them think about it in a little bit of a broader manner. And and I like the fact that you mentioned that sometimes because they're so constrained about their current reality that they don't think much broader in terms of what their you know purpose or who are they gonna be. Um, how quickly from your experience could that happen? Because at least for you, you know, like th- just three years ago, which is a short amount of time, you know, you were in a completely different place. But right now, you know, you're running your own business. Um, and I think like people overestimate what they can do in the short term, but then they underestimate what they can do in the long term. So um, what are your thoughts on that? So when it comes to shift, when it comes to shifting your mindset and just the way you think like that shifts, like when it comes down to it, that shift starts right now. Like right now is the only thing you really have. Like what do you choose to what what do you choose to think about right now what do you choose to put your energy to right now and i actually have something that i always like to refer to i believe it was on jim quick show but it's uh called it's called crushing ants and ants stands for automatic negative thoughts so like anytime you get an automatic negative thought just grab it crush it go back to your defining statement just grab it crush it go back to your defining statement that starts right now and realistically you can see a positive change tomorrow or even today if you just change the way you think and start talking to yourself a little bit different so let's um let's move on to for example someone who already runs a business um but they have been doing things for the longest times themselves and one of those ends like you talked about would be that they don't want to give up control of the company, you know, or like certain processes in the company to someone else. So they don't want to hire, they don't want to expand and build a team. Um, they, they don't want to change the way they're doing things because they're comfortable. So what was your experience like, you know, hiring and um, outsourcing and expanding and scaling what you were currently doing so to be honest i'm a little bit different from most people i uh i recognized very quickly what i'm good at which is systems and connections and i started focusing on doing that and figuring out who i could connect with to make everything else that i needed to happen happen like i had to come in contact with my partner bryce vance who his specialty is the technology and the sales side and when we joined forces, it created a monster. So honestly, I like I, I recognize my weaknesses and like I knew like I'm not good at everything. I don't want to know everything and I don't know everything. So I started outsourcing very quickly within. I'm, I mean, honestly, within a couple months of starting my business, I had a VA that I was outsourcing tasks to just because like I knew if I have somebody that's doing those tasks for me, I can efficiently basically clone myself and go do other things. So that's always just been what I've focused on. But 
I know that's very different for people. And that's why I have, a, that, that's why, that's why people hire me when it comes down to it. Cause they're scared to let it go and they want to make sure that the system's right so they can let it go. So I'm a little different than most people when it comes to that. Mm. But I guess the rule of thumb still is you, because you have your systems and processes down, so you're able to delegate and still keep track of staying consistent with the, the team member. 100%. It's all about that documentation and having a actual system in place. And that comes down to the seven pillars. Like anytime that I, anytime that I bring on a new client, a pr- like somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I need to get my time back. I don't really know where to start. The first thing that we do is we go through the seven pillars, which again, those were marketing, sales, fulfillment, retention, finance, human resources and company culture, and then legal. We list all of those things out on a whiteboard or on a Trello board, whatever we have to do, depending on if I'm with them or not. And then we list every single task that needs to happen in their business. And we create a standard operating procedure for every single one of those tasks and then we take and start automating as much of those ta- as many of those tasks as we can. And then once we have everything automated that we can, we just pair all of those SOPs in the specific roles, organ- get those organized, and then we just start placing VAs, we start placing team members, we go find the partners that we know have the superpowers to take over those mm-hmm. roles, whatever that looks like. And then and then you know you slowly refine it over time, right? You know as uh, issues come up. One hundred percent. Once it's documented, you can optimize it. If you never document it, you can't optimize it. And what I always like, what I always like to point out to people whenever they're trying to do everything themselves is the fact that whenever you do everything yourselves, you're forced to wear all the hats. And I'm sure you've seen this with some of your people that you've worked with in the past as well. Like we literally, we generate leads, we generate leads, we generate leads, we create content, create content, create content. And then we focus on closing the leads that that content generated now we're focused on fulfilling for those leads. Now we're focusing on retaining those leads. Then we're focused on whatever else on the back end. We turn around, oh shit, there's no more leads and I haven't been creating content, but oh, my clients are still happy. So now I just got to start the cycle over. And that honestly, that's the biggest that's the biggest cycle that most entrepreneurs get stuck in that prevents them from becoming the CEO instead of just staying as the entrepreneur. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and what is the life like once you have made that shift when you start delegating? You know, like then, you know, your real role as a CEO, I mean, what are the things you focus on on a daily basis? Um, I've heard like um, some previous guys talked about how the moment they started to outsource, they started to fulfill a more um, visionary role for the business and where it's headed to because they simply have just more free space to think about what they want to do with the business. Um, so for you, what are some of the you know, daily things you would think about the moment you start outsourcing? So once I, st- once I started outsourcing, I started putting my focus on how can I get onto other people's platforms? How can I facilitate speaking events? What can I do in the new, t- in the, what can I now do in that time. And as I free up time, I'm always trying to focus more and more on being the spokesperson of my business and playing that visionary role. Like you said, like where I basically just go to the team now and I'm like, Hey, I want to build X, Y, Z. Like, what's it going to take to make that happen? Let's do like, what's like, let's start working this out with the team. I'm not 
I'm not the one that actually has to go in and build the funnels, start thinking about like, oh man, we got to go hire a developer. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to find these people. Like we already have the team in place. So I just kind of go talk to them and I'm like, okay, what do we got to do to make this happen? And then like, everybody has the SOPs, so they know what's coming next. Everybody's, everybody's confident. Everybody knows what's up. So it gets, the biggest thing is just less stressful. You have an idea what's going on in your company at all times and you can focus on what are we going to do to grow? What are we going to do to grab more attention? And you get to focus on more of the revenue generating activities that makes your name like expands your brand and all that fun stuff. You get to have more fun. Mm. Yeah. You get, to, you get to do more stuff like this. Yeah. Which is the whole point of making your own business in the first place. 100%. So, like, you don't want to be just stuck as an employee of your own business. It's a nightmare. 100%. I'd, <laughs> I, I would much rather be on this podcast interview with you than thinking about software development, building a funnel, or writing an email. I can tell you that much. Oh my gosh. So one of the things I know you're very passionate about and it's super interesting, you got like a ton of great guests on board, is your Virtually Limitless um, podcast. Could you talk to us about that and how that has helped you, benefited you? I mean... Uh, the amount of like fun and you know awesome experiences that you have had um you know on the on the show hosting other guests 100% man so it's actually really interesting and i'm sure you've kind of experienced it like similar like it's whenever you have a podcast and you're able to get these and you're able to get guests on that people already like they already trust those people then it makes it much easier to build your following. It makes it much easier for you to become trustworthy. And honestly, you end up getting to get some of the best coaching that you're ever possibly going to get both during the interview and after the interview. So that's, it's been the most valuable thing I ever did for my brand. And to be honest with you, like you heard my story, it was very, very, very hard to get people to take me, ser to take me seriously at first. And once they started seeing me next to all these people they trusted, they started trusting me and people started buying from me more. I didn't have to go out there and hustle and prove myself every single time. So it's a lot of the social proof part of it. But what about actually getting those people on board? Like, you know, to actually speak to you. Um, I think uh, that's one of the big limiting beliefs that I've heard from people. You know, sometimes I really encourage them. I say like, um, like one of my friends, he was really into fashion and he wanted to interview all of the tailors, you know, in the country. Um, but he was worried, like he didn't want to do it because he had this big limiting belief that they didn't want to speak to him. Um, for example, that he isn't interesting enough, etc. So for you, um, did you ever have that problem or, um, you know, how did you work around stuff like that? Obviously when it comes down to it, you're going to have a much harder time getting a hold of some people, but in reality, people love talking about themselves. If you can actually get the offer in front of them, like if you can make it through the mess of their inbox, it's very unlikely they're going to say no to coming on and talking about themselves and having you make them look good instead of them instead of them trying to tell people that they're awesome because anybody talking about how awesome you are is always going to be more valuable than you going online and saying hey look at me i'm awesome <laughs> it definitely is a limiting belief to get over and whenever you look up to some people like 
it's very easy to think, oh, like they don't have time for that. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big enough for that. Like, why would they want to talk to me? I'm a drug addict in my, like in my old instance, but when it comes down to it, they're people too. Each one of those people has their story and you never, when it comes down to it, you never know how much that human on the other side of that screen is actually going to resonate with you if you just reach out and ask. Very interesting, um, Trey. Like, um, you talked about how you receive some of the best coaching advice on those shows. How do you go about it in a, in a, a natural, normal way? Like, you're a normal human being, right? Like, you know, it's just, you, you, you want some advice on something from someone who's way more experienced than you. Uh, but at the same time, these people, um, they have some, a little bit of resistance as well. Like if you, especially if you're trying to get something from them and, and they know that you're trying to get something from them, uh, but it's not an equal deal. It's not an equal trade. So in those kind of instances, um, how, how do you go about even broaching the subject of um, wanting their advice? It's one of those things that you kind of just have to let happen naturally. And whenever you're interviewing people, like one thing that I like that I like to do is honestly, if I come to something in my business where I'm, where I'm like, oh crap, I don't know what to do in this legal situation, or I don't know what to do in this financial situation, or, oh crap, I don't really know how to hire a sales team. I just go find somebody who specializes in that. I bring them on the show. I, I position them as the expert, which they are. And then I pick their brain on the subject and ask them the questions that I want to know, because that's the same questions that the, that the people watching the episode are going to want to know too. Good point. So I'm just very strategic, like who I interview it's, and this is also something that you can, that you can talk like, this is also a valuable topic, I guess. I'm very strategic who I interview and who I collaborate with just because like you, you always want to, you it, it's always a win-win for people to get on shows, but you always want to be growing your audience somehow. You always want to be having the social proof of being next to this person. And you always want to put yourselves in situations where you are learning things. You're spending that time doing things that's actually going to grow your business. And when they come on, they're getting earned media. That's going to grow. That's going to grow their business too. ask them the shit that's going to grow your business and your audience's business. Yeah, that makes sense because then you won't be wasting your time as well. I mean, both of your time are valuable. Everybody's time is valuable. The listener's time is valuable. Ask them the real questions. So um, what are some of the strategic things you would think about when it comes to you know, positioning and branding yourself online? So when it comes to positioning and branding yourself online, like Actually, one of the first things that I like to do is I like to build a Facebook group or some kind of similar community where you can collect people's email address when they join. Because once they join that community, you're already positioned as the expert in there. Now you just have to move more people into there. And if you collect their email address, you can trigger a welcome sequence that, first of all, make sure that they don't forget about you, provides them more value, which builds up the law of reciprocity. Like you just send them some little bonuses, some PDFs that are valuable to your target audience and just over deliver a little bit, build that law of reciprocity, make them like you. It builds the trust and it positions you as the expert while making sure that they don't forget about, about you. Because as you know, it takes like seven to 11 times for somebody to see you to make a purchase, which granted it's 2020. I think that number is probably doubled by now with the way everything's so saturated, but that's the number it used to be at least. So 
that's always the first thing that I do. But at, once you have that community where you're already positioned as the expert and you're the guy in there, then you want to start strategically like getting getting on other people's shows, maybe consider forming your own show so that you can collaborate with people that they trust with people that they trust. Maybe consider getting into some publications if you if there's relevant publications in your niche that you can get into, just apply. It builds backlinks, it builds trust. Anytime you can get somebody else to talk about you, that's always more valuable than you talking about you and it's always going to build more authority for you. And one big thing that you can do, like if you have a blog, if you have a podcast, like whatever you've got going on is consider writing a book. Author is short for authority. Like I actually have a buddy of mine, uh, Cesar Espino. He has the You Can Overcome Anything podcast. And he actually took and turned that podcast into a book series called You Can Overcome Anything, where he publishes the stories of the people that he brings on the show. And he's become an international bestseller multiple times off that. And you better believe he's got some authority because of that. So what did he do? Like he compiled the the, the gist and the main, uh, main points of all of his guests in each episode? Yeah, you, he had uh, some of the people that came on the show. He after he interviewed them, if he liked if he liked them a lot, he'd invite them to contribute their story. Some of them would write it. Some of them he would transcribe the episode and edit it down to the chapter. It just kind of depended on what they need need what they wanted and what their situation was at the time. But it kind of it was a, it was a mixture of both. Yeah, that's very creative, and it's actually kind of funny. The uh, I'm sure you know that you can manipulate the like like the iTunes charts pretty well. Like if you get your show up quickly, you start put you put up episodes every day for a bit, you get a ton of downloads, you just push a ton of people to review it, you can manipulate yourself up to the top of the like to the top of the charts at least temporarily. Yeah. And then uh and then that's a positioning point. You can say, "Hey, I had a ranked podcast show even if it's not ranked anymore." You can say it was, and then people want to get on it more, and then you can leverage that to build more momentum. And the Amazon Kindle store is kind of the same way. Uh whenever you if you put out a book and you build a waiting list, you get your people ready to buy it, and then you submit it and you call Amazon, you can get it added to like 10 different categories. And if you do your research, You'll only have to do, you'll only have to sell fifty to two hundred and fifty copies to to make it a bestseller in some categories, and then now you have that authority piece forever. And I'm gonna do a whole speech one day. And I'm, one of my goals in life now actually is to do a TED talk called "Smoke, Mirrors, and Money," and it's literally gonna be all about how everything's just smoke and mirrors and it's false authority online. But yeah, that's that's how you build authority online. Just build a lot of smoke and mirrors and. Consider renting an Airbnb and a Lambo for a mastermind, and you might get famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, um, I still remember the first time I found out about, um, you know, the Forbes list, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the Forbes list and how you were smoking mirrors. Like, I, I didn't realize it before. I was so disappointed by that. It used to be one of my goals to get in the Forbes, and granted, it still is. But I will never, ever, ever pay anybody money to put me in a publication. So, yeah, they're going to have to write about me and I'm going to have to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. I found out about it when a, a publicist actually reached out to me. It was like, uh, it was not for Forbes. It was for, you know, some other news media, right? And they said like, oh, you, uh, I could get you on like, uh, you know, five different 
you know, mainstream media outlets for like, I think like 20 grand or like 10 grand. I forgot the number. Oh, dude, you can do it for less. Yeah. You can get Fox, NBC, like ABC, all the all the basic news networks. I mean, you can go on Fiverr and you can get it as low as like $100 just to have your basic authority <laughs> <laughs> statement. And granted, media that you earn is always going to be more valuable because, yes, those logos are valuable. And yes, yes, sadly, it will help you sell more stuff. But if you actually earn it, it's more likely that more people are going to see the actual story instead of just seeing you use the logos because you can. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like one of the concerns people have and excuses to not do it is that you only see the fruits of your labor long term. Like it's not an immediate ROI. Like there isn't any like quantitative number you can, uh, you know, attach to. You know, the fact that, oh, I'm simply because I've, sh- I've shown up on like these few interviews or shows and therefore, you know, my business grew. Um, like, w- what do you have to say to that? I mean, it's like, because for me, I think that if you don't do it, your competitors are doing it, you know. So. 100%. The biggest thing that I would tell people that are thinking like that is to go read the compound effect. And, but the short, the sh- but... The long answer is just go go read the compound effect. You'll get a much longer, more detailed answer. But the short answer is it's the things that you do every single day. All the small things that you do add up to the big wins. You don't make a you don't make. I mean, they didn't build Facebook overnight. They didn't build Walmart overnight. Amazon didn't become the biggest like the freaking biggest retailer in the world probably overnight. That's not how it works. It was them doing it was them doing the damn thing every single day until it got to that point. Right. And and the compound effect uh, is a book? Yeah, it's by Darren Hardy. Okay, cool. Last but not least, how can people find out about you, your podcast, what you do, etc.? So the best ways to figure out about what, what I do is you can check out the Virtually Limitless podcast. If you jump on Facebook, you can join the Virtually Limitless community. And also, if you go to treycarmichael.us, you can you can grab the Limitless expansion system, which basically breaks down like my seven pillars and long-term and short-term media and basically all the things that I wish that I had understood about running a business three years ago. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Trey. It's a pleasure to have you. Absolutely, man. It was a pleasure to have you. Or a pleasure being on your show. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please do take the time to leave us a review on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you are listening on, and share this with your friends. Also, at BossCast Academy, we help solopreneurs and freelancers streamline their businesses so they can become a true business owner. Make sure to check out the description of each episode for more details on how you can reach out to the guests or myself if you want to learn more about what we do. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.